Before we begin today's episode, we wanted to give a shout out to our patrons over at Patreon. They are the sponsor of the show and keeping the lights on here at the Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. A couple independent dudes just with a little podcaster. So yeah. we got Eric Sari, Andy Herbrandt, Lauren L., Paul C., hands and screen printing and of course our newest one rock the green thank you guys so much for keeping the lights on eric cue up that intro music hey welcome to the wisconsin drunken history podcast we are your hosts eric sturgeon and i'm russell sorry this podcast is about all things wisconsin history music culture and beer Although we don't often use strong language, the content is not intended for young audiences, so listener discretion is advised. If you love the bluegrass music you hear in this intro, please check out Dang It's from Madison, Wisconsin by visiting their website, dang-its.com. Now on to the show. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Wisconsin Drunken History. We are your hosts. I'm Eric. And I'm Russ. And this, of course, is your daily or weekly dose of the Dairy State. Oh, yeah. Not don't the daily I'm... dose. Don't don't say that. We're not doing 30 episodes each time we record. That would be nuts, man. It would be crazy. Daily dose? Holy smokes. So, uh, craziness. We are still in the Halloween. Our uh, last one. Yeah. So, we are still here. And we are still spooked out. And I'm you know, scared as shit. everyone was probably anticipating us from being from Elkhorn. We're going to do the Bray Road Beast. But let me tell you, that's going to be a masterpiece because I have so many interviews yeah. for that Bray Road Beast. And that is coming up probably next year because we have so much to report on. Well, and, and also, um, the, the Bray Road Beast one doesn't necessarily have to be a Halloween special because uh, there is just a mountain of information in there. We know a lot of people that were involved. Yeah. So. And so we could easily do uh, just a normal weekly episode on that yeah. and maybe even make Make it a couple parts, uh, you know, return next week for the, you know, for the conclusion of, you know, but uh, so we are here today with uh, yet another spooky uh, uh, piece of Wisconsin history uh, just sends chills down your spine it's and pretty messed up. Make a spine lamp. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, hey, or a skin mask. I don't there know. There you go. Yep. So uh, if you don't know, now you know. We are talking about the Butcher of Plainfield. Uh, this is Ed Gein. He is a piece of uh, Wisconsin lore, and every everybody knows uh, this person. You don't even have to be from Wisconsin, and you know who Ed Gein oh, is. Oh, yeah, exactly. Uh, movies have been based upon him. Um, it's... It's a story as old as time. <laughs> yeah, if you will. This isn't a Disney story, though. Uh, but, uh, hey, you know, it, it's it's a piece of uh, the, the history, and we wanted to uh, cover it in, in not such a gruesome fashion. We're not going to go into, like, way too yeah. much gore, but we are going to talk about... His uh, crime. Just the exactly. overall. Obviously, the history yeah. portion of it. And, like... like I just don't want to glorify somebody like this because, like, please, like, don't don't well, live up to this guy. He's not a hero. Ultimately, right? it's mental illness, yeah. and uh, uh, you know those 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 things you know do and will happen. But we also have a lot more doctors, a lot more medication these days in, in order to sort of uh, stop things like this from happening. Exactly. So, uh, also in today's episode, we have music from Nile Club. And um, they are absolutely amazing. amazing I can't band. wait for you guys to hear it. Uh, that is absolutely uh, one of one of my favorite uh, bands uh, coming out of Wisconsin right now. So uh, we also have 
another how many locals you at. Oh, yeah. And unfortunately, due to the length of this episode and the amount of information that we're going to want to cover. I wanted to get everything yeah. in just because I don't want to make a two-parter. Yeah, so. we, we just won't be having uh, an interview today. Uh, so, uh, hey, if you really enjoy that portion of this, uh, we're really deeply sorry, but we really wanted to get all the information in on one episode and here. And now like the Harley where there's so much information. I could have made that a uh, two-hour extravaganza, yeah. you know, but it, we're splitting that one up. And yeah. uh, we have another one coming up for our anniversary, probably the 75th one. or Actually, yeah. no, because we're past our 75th episode now. It's probably yeah. going to be a little later, but yeah. we are going to finish our Harley one up. But it's just so much information yeah. with this one. It's so, uh, hey, and, and as we always do, and uh, hopefully you don't get bored of it, but, uh, you know, we just ask if you, if you like what you're listening to, give us a, a rate, like, subscribe, yeah, review, do. all that sort of stuff. Apple Podcast and YouTube being the major two on there. Uh, hey, if you can't do that, uh, simply spread word. You know, if you want to share one of the episodes on your Facebook page or something, that'd be awesome. Uh, and then also check out our website. Uh, WisconsinDrunkenHistory.com, uh, where you can find amazing things. Links to our Patreon, uh, links to uh, our T Public store, where you can buy merch with our logo on it, and uh, you can rep your favorite podcast right here. Heck yeah, so, uh, amazing! Why don't we just jump right in and let's get into to talk about this Ed Gein shit? So yeah, known as the Plainfield, uh, but the Plainfield Ghoul or the Butcher of Plainfield, Wisconsin. Uh, we are of course talking today about Edward Theodore Gein. And you're probably going to be familiar with the image of him with the Stormy Cromer hat and kind of the wonky eye. It's kind of like the signature photo of um, Ed Gein and the one everyone uses to like reference him. So if you just picture that in your head, um, that's the guy we're talking about today. And he was a major contribution to a lot of horror movies today, including like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, yep. Psycho, you know, obviously with... Um, the, and you'll find out why later on, because I'm going to read the lead up to his crimes... His crimes, the trial, and pretty much the whole just overall of Ed Gein today. Silence of the Lambs, too, I believe, is uh, is technically kind of based yeah, on that. Yeah, a just bit kind of too. a psychotic murderer, basically. And uh, and like I said before, like please don't think that I'm glorifying Ed Gein because like I do not respect anything he's done, and I don't think anyone should. Like I know there's a lot of people that do. Like obviously there's metal bands and stuff, and I think it's more of a joke. But like just. He's not a hero, right? He's an yeah. anti-hero, and I just want to cover everything, and I think it's an important piece of history in Wisconsin, and we need to focus on it, right? So yeah. I'm going to go. So born on August 27th of 1906 as Edward Theodore Gain in La Crosse County, Wisconsin, to parents George Philip Gain and Augusta Wilhelmine Gain. He was the youngest of two boys, and his older brother's name was Henry George Gain. And from the get-go, the family was not the most healthy families out there. And Father George was an alcoholic, and Augusta hated him for it, as he was unable to hold a steady job and provide for the family. He tried many things, including carpenter, tanner, insurance salesman, but due to the booze, he could just not keep steady work. And this did not... Um, and he, they did own um, a grocery store as well to make a little bit of extra income. Um, but left the area after a few years and sold off and uh, moved to a isolated 155-acre farm in central Wisconsin in Plainfield, Wisconsin. And this would have become the permanent home of the family. But due to the isolation and uh, that Augusta kept in keeping them in isolation, turning, any way, turning away anyone who could exhibit any sort of influence on her sons. And one reason why he became such an oddity is uh, he had no way to base himself on any type of normal besides what his mom told him. And uh, Gain eventually was able to leave the farm to attend school after his mom would allow it. 
And while attending school, Gain was a shy type of person and extremely odd as teachers and classmates would recall and talk to talk about him having strange mannerisms, random laughter outbursts, and just seeming like weird way of talking. And uh, he would talk and you could tell that he had no social development whatsoever. And he was not able to make any friends as Augusta would punish them uh, whenever they did try to make friends. Despite this, Gain did not did pretty well in school and particularly well in reading. Outside of school, Gaines spent most of his time doing farm chores, and if not doing that, Augusta would preach the Lutheran gospel to her boys. And not only passages, the lighter side of things, she mostly kept to the darker Bible passages, including teachings from Revelations and the Old Testament passages regarding death, murder, and divine retribution. But also the innate immorality of the world, the evils of drinking, and probably one of the most striking and causes for this behavior is preaching to her boys about women and how they are promiscuous naturally in the instruments of the devil, the devil as you will. And the next events in Gaines' life would not help him out. When first his father passed away on April 1st of 1940 of heart failure, which was caused by the alcoholism at the age of 66. This forced Henry and Ed to take odd jobs around town to help cover all the living expenses and it was not hard to do that in the town viewed them and they, as the town viewed them as honest and reliable people and they did a lot of odd jobs such as handymen farm hands as well as babysitting and the latter ed really enjoyed and seemed to relate better to children than adults henry his brother eventually started dating a divorced mother of two and planned to move in with her henry always would worry about his brother's attachment to his mother and would say mean things about her in front of ed who was fronted with hurt and shock yeah and so the next event is shrouded in some mystery, but on May, May 6th of 1944, Henry and Ed were doing some clearing on the property, and one of the techniques is used is to burning, like you burn your prairies to get rid of some of the weeds and some of the things coming it's up. It's actually good for the soil, too. Yeah, exactly. So the fire would get a little out of control, which drew attention from the fire department right away. And the fire would be doused out and put out by the end of the day, but Ed reported his brother missing. And a search party went out to look for him, and when they found him laying face down, initially everyone believed that the death appeared to be accidental, and possibly from heart failure, as he had no burns or injuries that were consistent with fire. Many believed that this was no accident, of course, and uh, Henry exhibited bruising on the top of his head. But police dismissed this theory of, of foul play, and in the end, the coroner listed the deaths as asphyxiation. And later in life, when questioned in an interrogation, he never specifically stated that he had done the crime. But due to the bad things uh, he had said about his mother and the gap between them that drove, everyone thought this was kind of like a Cain and Abel Bible situation, like a good versus evil brother. Right. And with him and his mother being alone, it was a recipe for disaster. And after Henry's death, Ed devoted his life to not becoming an adult at all, but just devoting himself to her and caring for her. One situation that Gain recalled in his when he was with his mother, they went to purchase hay from a man identified as Smith and witnessed the man beat a dog to death. And his mother was not even upset by the dog being beaten to death, but that the woman who came out to yell at Smith for beating the dog was not they were not married. As this and uh, and so she had no business being there and her and you know his mom called Smith's wife or lady partner a uh, harlot. Um, his mother soon had a second stroke and she deteriorated quickly. She died on December 29th of 1945 at the age of 65. And due to the close attachment and uh, Ed not having any guidance or any real life experience, this is where things get kind of weird. Right? Sure. So Gain continued to keep the farm and pay bills by doing odd jobs. He sold off 80 acres that supposedly was supposed to go to uh, Henry. He boarded up rooms that were used by his mother, leaving them in pristine condition, and the rest of the house became more and more decrepit in just disgusting living conditions. 
And Gain lived in a small room next to the kitchen where he would just read messed up magazines and stories involving cannibalism, gruesome acts, and studying on Nazis and the horrendous acts they performed. And this is what the lead up to what we now know as the crime of Ed Gaines, which is the main reason we're here today. And um, yeah. some disturbing stuff ahead, so I'm just going to give you guys a warning. Um, there's some pretty weird stuff. But I want to go over everything, so this is kind of the complete list of everything that happened, and so you guys know exactly. But just a warning, things get a little gruesome from here. This is where it gets weird. Gets a little creepy. So on the morning of November 16, 1957, Plainfield hardware store owner Bernice Warden disappeared. A Plainfield resident reported that the hardware store truck had been driven out of the rear of the building around 9.30 a.m. The hardware store saw few customers that entire day. Some area, area residents believe that sh this was because of the deer hunting season. Bernice Warden's son, Deputy Sheriff Frank Warden, entered the store around 5 p.m. to find the store's cash register open and bloodstains on the floor. Yep. Frank Warden told investigators that on the evening before his mother's disappearance, Gain had come into the store and he would return the next morning for a gallon of antifreeze. A sales slip for the gallon of antifreeze was the last receipt written by Warden on the morning she disappeared. And on the evening of the same day, Gain was arrested in West Plainfield Grocery Store and the Washara County Sheriff's Department searched the Gain farm. A Washara County Sheriff's Department discovered Warden's decapitated body in a shed on the Gain property, hung upside down by her legs with a crossbar on her ankles and ropes around her wrist. Like a deer. The, the torso was dressed out just like a deer, just like you said here. Yep. She had been shot with a twenty-two caliber rifle, which is a small gauge gun, which is terrible because she probably suffered a ton. And the mutilations yeah. were made after her death, searching the house authorities found. And please, this is where it gets really disturbing. Okay? Yeah. So a whole bones of, in fragments, a waste basket, basket made of human skin, human skin covering several chair seats, skulls on his bedposts, female skulls, some of the tops sawn off, bowls made from human skulls, a corset made from a woman's female torso, Leggings made from human leg skin, mask made from the skin of a female head, Mary Hogan's face mask in a paper bag, Mary Hogan's skull in box, Bernice Warden's entire head in a burlap sack, Bernice Warden's heart in a plastic bag in front of Gaines Potbelly Stove, nine velvet uh, in a shoebox, so I don't want to go into that, vulva, so... A young girl's dress, the vulvas of two female judges um, judged to have been about 15 years old, a belt made from female human nipples, four noses, a pair of lips on the window shade's drawstring, a lampshade made from skin of a human face, and uh, fingernails from female fingers. In so, a partridge in a pear tree. Right. Holy smokes. Like, the list goes on, man. Yeah. But this is just, just insane, right? So these artifacts were photographed at the state crime lab and then were decently disposed of, of course. Like, freaking disgusting, right? And when Question Gain told investigators that between 1947 and 1952, he made as many as 40 nocturnal visits to three local graveyards to exhume recently buried bodies while he felt like he was in a daze-like state. On about 30 of those visits... He said he came out of the days while in the cemetery, left the graveyard in good order, and returned home empty-handed. On the other occasions, he dug up the graves of recently buried middle-aged women he thought resembled his mother and took the bodies home where he tanned the skins to make uh, his paraphernalia. Yep. Gain admitted to stealing from nine graves from local cemeteries and led investigators to their locations. Alan um, Willimanovsky, Willem uh, one of the state crime labs, um, participated in opening three test graves identified by Gain. The caskets were inside wooden boxes. The top boards ran crossways, not lengthwise. The tops of the boxes were about two feet from the surface of the sandy soil Gain had robbed. In the graves soon after the funerals, 
while the graves were not completed, the test graves, um, they were exhumed. And uh, Gain was capable of single-handedly digging up a grave during a single evening. There were found, as Gain described, two of the exhumed graves were found empty. One casket was empty. One casket Gain had failed to open with a pry bar. And just a few of them that just were missing body parts, obviously. Yeah. And soon after his mother's death, Gain began to create a woman's suit so that he became his mother's too lit for to, to her skin to crawl into and feel comforted. And you might recognize this from uh, Norman Bates, um, kind of similar situation where his mother dies. I don't know if anyone's seen Psycho. I don't um, want to ruin it if you haven't, everyone. but you can understand where this connection comes in here. Yeah. And Gain denied having sex with the bodies he exhumed, explaining that they smelled too bad. Well, yeah, right? I mean, they've been hmm. dead for a while. Huh? Yeah, they've been kind of dead and decaying. So during the state crime lab uh, interrogation, Gain also admitted to the shooting death of Mary Hogan, a tavern owner missing since 1954, whose head was found in the house. But he later denied memory of details of her death. A 16 year old youth whose parents were friends of Gain's who attended ball games and movies with him reported that Gain kept shrunken heads in the house, which Gain had described as relics from the Philippines sent by his cousin who served on the island during World War II. And upon investigation by the police, these were determined to be human facial skins carefully peeled from corpse and used by Gain as a mask. Gain was also considered a suspect in several other unsolved cases, including the 1953 disappearance of Evelyn Hartley, a lacrosse babysitter. And during questioning, Washara Sheriff Archley Arch, Arch uh, reported assaulted Gain by banging his head and face into a brick wall. As a result, Gain's initial confession was ruled inadmissible. Schley died of heart failure at 43 in 1968 before Gain's trial. Many who knew Schley said he was traumatized by the horror of Gain's crimes, and this along with the fear of having to testify, especially ab about assaulting Gain, caused his death. One of his friends said he was victim of Gain as surely as he had been butchered by him. All right, so now we're going to get into the trial of Ed Gain right now and talk about that a little bit here. So the trial was held on October, November 21st of 1957, where Gain was arraigned on one count of first-degree murder in Washara County Courts, where he pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity. And Gain was diagnosed with schizophrenia and found mentally incompetent, thus unfit for trial. He was sent to the Central State Hospital for the Criminally Insane, a maximum security facility in Wampun, Wisconsin, and later transferred to the Medota State Hospital in Madison, Wisconsin. In 1968, doctors determined that Gain was mentally able to confer with counsel and participate in his defense. The trial began on November 7th of 1968 and lasted one week. A psychiatrist testified that Gain had told him that he did not know whether the killing of Bernice Warden was intentional or accidental. Gain had told him that while he examined a gun in the Warden's store, the gun went off killing Warden. Gain testified that after trying to load a bullet in the rifle at discharge, he said he had not aimed the rifle at Warden and did not remember... Um, anything else that happened that morning. Right. And at the request of the defense, Gaines' trial was held without jury. With Judge Robert H. Gallimar presiding, Gaines was found guilty by Golmar on 9, November 14th. A second trial dealt with Gaines' sanity, and after testimony by doctors for the prosecution and defense, Golmar ruled Gaines not guilty by the reason of insanity and ordered him to be committed to the Central State Hospital for the Criminally Insane. And Gaines spent the rest of his life in a mental hospital... And the judge wrote, due to prohibitive costs, Gain was tried for only one murder, that of Mrs. Warden. He also admitted to killing Mary Hogan. And Gain died at the Mendota Mental Health Facility in uh, 
of respiratory failure secondary to secondary to lung cancer on J- July 26th of 1984 at the age of 77. And over the years, souvenir seekers chipped off pieces of the grains gravestone at the Plainfield Cemetery until the stone itself disappeared in 2000, which I remember this coming out. That somebody stole some. Yeah. They thought it was some metal kid that like really loved this guy. Right, right, right. And it was recovered in 2001 near Seattle, Washington, and was placed at the storage facility at Washara County Sheriff's Department. And the gravesite today is actually now unmarked. It's but, just unmarked, yeah. But not unknown. Gain is interred between his parents and brother in the cemetery. Yeah, I think everybody knows where he is in, in the cemetery. It's just that you can't put anything there because it's going to be either consistently, um, you know, graffitied or, or wrecked or uh, somebody's just going to steal it again, you know? Exactly. And like I said, Gain has never died in popularity. In pop culture, he still lives on, whether it be like magazines, movies, music. I mean, he's everywhere, right? I mean, a lot of these horror movies are based after the acts of Ed Gain just because of how crazy shit is, right? I mean... There's actually metal bands who have written songs about the Butcher of Plainfield, as well as a band from Syracuse being flat out called Ed Gain, right? Hmm. And there's been a lot of like black humor jokes, including the one I hear often in Wisconsin, but it's also kind of in poor poor taste. But here it goes. So the question is, uh, why do Wisconsinites have so many deep chest freezers? I don't know. For meat and to Ed Gain a little bit of space. Yeah. So the black, like black humor has been a big thing, but that's kind of the one I've heard often from people like talking about, cause there is a, there is a stigma that Wisconsinites have a ton of deep chest freezers. I know I do. I have, well, I think I have two right yeah. now. So we have, I just think that it's uh, you just know, a lot of meat. The hunting. I was just going to say here, growing like, up, my, my parents froze everything. I yeah, mean, we, you have a, bun, a bunch of meat in there anytime that you uh, were, because they have a massive garden. You have no bodies in yours though, right? No. Okay, good. No. Good. And, but, you know, you, you can grow all your produce throughout the year and then cut all the corn off the cob, you know, freeze, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. freeze all the different stuff. And it's, you know, it, uh, I could totally see why there's a lot of uh, freezers and then obviously deep chest freezers or anything like that. But, I mean... Like you said, it's a little bit on the on the dark and occult humor to uh, yeah exactly. to say that it's for that reason. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and I'm one of those people that are like fascinated by the psych issues more than anything, and the distortions of the brain, and the nature versus nurture. I'm just kind of an interested into that stuff. And exactly. I never want to glorify this, but just to learn from it, like how does something you never like want to glory happen? hold this. Yeah, you don't want to glory hold this thing, but just the fascination in learning this kind of stuff for me, it's just like somebody that can go this far outside of the norm and just like he, they think that's okay and they just can live with that and that's just normal to them. It's just insane to me. Right. And I mean, we, what could we do with Wisconsin history besides including our serial killers? We've had a lot of them. Well, the one thing that I wanted to bring up too is that at one point the this uh, the report you know that you have here is uh, that he dug up a whole grave in in a night. It's pretty intense. Six feet deep with just a shovel and hands. It's just un- unbelievable. It's it's crazy. He was like that deranged where he could and do it's, that. And it's like six by, you know, four feet. You know, uh, it, that's just insane to me that you uh, exhumed a whole body and did all that work uh, in one night uh, as one guy. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying that he didn't do it. What I'm saying is that's a lot of fucking sweat and determination. Oh, yeah. To for get that. a fucking mask. Like, you are you know? completely deranged. And just, yeah. um, I, you know, the, the smell of death is one of the worst fucking smells you'll ever smell in your life. Unfortunately, I've had to witness it in my life. It's just disgusting. Honestly, just, yeah, anything that's... that's um, It's like that gone sweet, metallic, that. disgusting smell. Yeah. I, I cannot believe he was even able to like, yeah. deal with that on anything, top of anything. Just, anything ugh. that's gone through that process of decay, uh, it, it's uh, it's gross. And that could even just be like... 
you you had a sandwich with meat on it the and rotty, it sat out right. in in the heat you know maggots form bacteria, bacteria and it's just, just disgusting that smell is fucking awful it is and I've had like a rabbit. Like once die you smell it too, garage. you you can never really get that out of your brain senses. Like if you want to pull that up, it's always kind of archived, which is disgusting, and yeah. I hate it. But I mean, as a hunter and somebody who has to live on a farm and deal with a lot of dead animals, sure. I smelt that smell way too often. And so it's like one hard thing I'll probably never be able to race, but it's it's fucking gross. So it like is. the fact that he it's can awful. do that over one night and deal with the smell and then wear it, disgusting. Like, like yeah, oh yeah. my god, disgusting. But that's gonna conclude our main segment on Ed Gain. I hope you guys learned something. I'm sorry for how long it was. I just wanted to cover it in all in one episode, and I hope you guys enjoyed it and maybe learned something new about uh, Edward Theodore Gain. Spooky. All right, so we are on to our music segment, and we have a uh, a, a very good band. Uh, out of the Milwaukee area, they are called the Nile Club, and uh, Russ. I mean these these guys are putting out really good, like indie rock, yeah. pop rock kind of, you know, kind of upbeat. They kind of got like the little hooks, kind of like um, real estate, where there's just a little like chimey thing. Exactly, it's, it's incredible music, and it's cool. It's from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I love the name yeah. Nile Club too. It kind of sounds like a swanky like. It does. Club, sounds like you know, a club I'd like to be a part of. Yeah, and uh, I think the lead singer's name is Malachi, which is like one of the coolest freaking names yep. of all time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Just like a really good band. Um, you got to go and check them out. And, yeah. If you, hey, you know, we're gonna introduce uh, and and play you know a song for you here, and if if that really sparks you, go check them out. And I, I know that they're they're releasing new music. I think this year still mm-hmm. at this point. But um, you know, if, if you really enjoy it, go check them out. Listen to the rest of their stuff. Hey, hopefully there's even some live performances yet scheduled this oh, year okay. or maybe early next year that that all of us can get out to. But uh, it's absolutely amazing, and, and I love it. So this is Nile Club, and the song is Oblong.
All right, again, that was Nile Club. That was awesome. Oblong, uh, you know, it's just a, it's a catchy, really cool tune, and uh, they're putting out uh, amazing stuff uh, from that group, and uh, I can't wait to hear uh, what they have in store. And uh, again, let's all go out and see them and support them, uh, and uh, download some of their music uh, if you can't get out there. And uh, I mean, let's just continue to have great Milwaukee and great Wisconsin music uh, featured out here. Awesome! Oh, heck yeah. And remember, as always, you know, they got the social medias, band camps, all that yeah. stuff. So check it out. Yeah. So uh, we're going to review a, a a staple beer. Oh, honestly. yeah. It's like uh, the Oktoberfest beer right. of every season. Um, you know, obviously, it's from the new Glarus Brewing Company. Uh, we got to go with the Staghorn Oktoberfest. You have to do it, right? Yeah, I it's mean, an amazing it's, beer. It's, yeah, it's one of the staples of Wisconsin when it comes to Oktoberfest beers. Um, this one's coming in at 6.25% ABV. The artwork has like a deer with like um, a sun behind it, Almost kind of the like silhouette a very, of the deer. It's a very orange uh, uh, sun or moon or whatever it is, and it just feels Halloweenish, you know? Yeah, and so those that obviously New Glares is huge. It's why a lot of people come here because they only sell it in the state. But this one specifically is one of their better ones. And the the owner actually goes to Germany and gets a lot of these hops over in Germany. So yeah. they're special just for this Oktoberfest beer to keep the... I think he actually gets the yeast from Germany, too, if I remember right in the interview. I think sure. he said he gets the yeast. And it's very good. It's kind of like... Um, a really good beer, it, and it pours like kind of a golden color. Um, a lot of people have called it Wisconsin's real red, and you'll find like no additives, preservatives, or any artificial agents. It's just more of just your straight up beer, and you're getting a lot of maltiness. Um, there's barely any IBUs in this, so it's, you're getting like your lager range IBUs, probably yeah. around ten to twenty. And again, it's very smooth. Um, it, it's just a really good beer, and it's, it's uh, one of my favorite ones. And like, if you get a chance in New Glarus, they always do the Oktoberfest in New Glarus, where they actually tap yeah. the first keg of Staghorn. So if you can get up there, listen to some polka, dance it up with some ladies. You yeah, know. and it's a beautiful area. It I mean, is. I, it really I mean, is honestly, cool. it's it's one of those uh, just amazing breweries in our state that uh, also has that that incredible landscape around it. Now, uh, the one thing that I wanted to say as well is that. You know, I've talked a, a couple different times on here about I don't I don't get the hype of uh, New Glarus Spotted Cow. Yeah, however, it's good. It's and, just... and I've also said New Glarus makes amazing beers. Well, Staghorn is one of those ones that I consider to be. I mean, it's better than Spotted Cow. Well, remember I, I we just... even we've even talked to some of like our German and uh, obviously the Swiss fans from when we talked to Alpine Blast about how. You know, New Glarus is the closest to German beer you can get yeah. in the States. Because they get their ingredients from Germany and a lot of their yeasts and their strains, you're getting those same flavors. So when you talk to like a German or a German resident who has some experience with German beers, right. New Glarus does come as close to a German beer as you can, from what I've heard, yeah. from multiple people now. So Mark Mark told us that um, yeah. a couple of our German fans are talking about New Glarus, and yeah. when they come here, it's one of their favorite beers to drink. So feels like a little taste of home, you know. Uh, now the foods that this pairs well with, yeah, th- is uh, Swedish meatballs. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, Friday fish fry. Okay, and uh, hearty roast beef. Oh, which, nice. That was your nickname in high school, right? Yeah, they called me the hearty roast yeah, beef guy. They always called you hearty roast Arby. beef. Hardy's Arby's. They called you Arby's. Arby's. They called you Arby's. Yeah. Arby's. That was awesome. And yeah, I mean, you know, the good thing is, too, um, it's going to pair really well with your cheeses in Wisconsin, too, right? It's going to pair really well with uh, not driving. Um, yeah, that, too. Like, don't uh, don't get in a vehicle <laughs> with a few staghorns in your gear. Obviously, it's 6.2 per 5. 
Excuse me? 6.5 to 6.60 ABV. What are you selling, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't want it, all right? No so, solicitation here, okay? So 6.25 uh, ABV. Uh, so you're not going to want to drive after a few of these, obviously. You yeah. know, obviously you got your Ubers and stuff. You got the Tavern League. Just just yeah. stay home safe. Enjoy some brews. Enjoy and October. You don't, know. Do, don't do sports. Don't think that you're an athlete while you're drinking. And again, um, this is one of those like Mars and um, lagered beers. So you're getting that like seasonal transition. You know, these beers are really good in the autumn you ready. Fall. It's getting you ready for the higher... Uh, uh, higher octane, the, yeah, uh, yeah. the the 10W30s. And before the, you get into yeah. the wi- winter whiskey, you know, exactly. before you have to dig in deep into the cabinet and dig that out because you're so cold. But yeah, no, this beer is awesome. It's phenomenal and uh, only available in Wisconsin. But when you are in Wisconsin, you can find this thing pretty much anywhere when it's seasonal Absolutely. and it's the time of the year. You're going to find it at your Woodman's Festival, you know, the usual, even Piggly Wiggly has Every gas station that sells uh, Schnucks has yeah. it, Piggly Wiggly. All, everybody has this one. When it is out, you can get it anywhere. And uh, like I said, if you get a chance, go and check out the New Glares Brewery. We had a lot of fun there. Uh, we had a wild day. Yeah. It was, good. it was a good time. Um, and, you know, you can do the self-guided. And I think they do have tours now, but you got to schedule ahead of time, if I remember right. They're, I think they're, yeah, exactly. They're uh, uh, small groups planned ahead of time, uh, all scheduled out. But, yeah, I mean, like I said, the other area there in uh, New Glarus is, is well worth it. I think typically when you're at the tour, uh, what's nice is that they give you um, – Tokens or something for uh, some of the local bars. Yeah, like then Pumples in yep, and some exactly. of their major ones. And then, you know, the cool thing is if you do want to camp in the New Glarus area in the summertime, they do have the New Glarus Woods like pretty much right across the street. So you can literally walk to New Glarus Brewery and Company from New Glarus Woods. So if you do get drunk, at least you can walk back to your campsite and pass out. So just it's just another option if you are in the New Glarus area, spending a day out there, be safe, have fun, enjoy some Staghorn. And uh, yeah, that's going to conclude our beer review today. Grab a seat, gather round, join us for a chat. How many locos you have? Holy smokes, you know what that means, folks. How many locos you have? And uh, with fall comes the harvest, obviously, yeah. in Wisconsin. The farms, you're going to have a lot of tractors on the road, combines, you know, yeah. trailered equipment. Different uh, harvesters. All uh, kinds of stuff big, going big on. Big hay here. moving around. So it's it's something that, uh, hey, we're, we're, we're dealing with it right now as we're listening to this episode. Uh, and, and it's a real, uh, it's a reality. So uh, this one is uh, from Ozaki County. This is a 43-year-old woman from the town of Sockville was arrested for OWI. Following a crash Wednesday night, this oh is my. back. This is back in February, uh, and this is in the town of Fredonia. Um, at approximately 8:05 p.m., uh, deputies responded to a two-vehicle crash on uh, County Highway I, uh, south of Shady Lane, in the town of Fredonia. Uh, a 2005 Ford Escape, driven by a 43-year-old woman from the town of Sockville, was southbound on County Highway I. Uh, when it struck a southbound tractor Jesus. Uh, driven by a 17-year-old male uh, from the town of Sockville. Um, Guy was just listening to Garth Brooks and then gets smacked into Yeah. What the heck? And so the, the driver of the tractor was transported uh, by Wabeca Ambulance to a local hospital, and, and he did have some serious injuries. Uh, and, uh, uh, the driver of the SUV was also, or was uninjured rather. And, sure. and, and that, that's always the case, yeah, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. uh, never fails the, 
the person that's that's being idiotic and foolish is uh, unharmed, maybe a couple scrapes, bruises. But I'm glad nobody person, died, though. Honestly, yeah. Like, that's and so huge. that's that's the one thing that we wanted to say too. Obviously, we don't do anything with fatalities, uh, so that one is. Uh, uh, th- th- this one's good. It's just you know it's it's borderline. Don't but anyway, drink beer when you're on the deer, right? Yeah. It's- so the the driver of the SUV was arrested for operating uh, uh, well under the influence uh, for a second offense and uh, okay. causing um, injury by operating a motor vehicle uh, while under the influence, operating well uh, re- revoked, causing great bodily harm, uh, and failure to install an interlock uh, device as well oh, on their man. ignition. I can't believe like they didn't do that. Usually the cops do that. You have to do that automatically, even like unless you just had another vehicle and they didn't tell. Yeah, them, I mean, it's oh, tough you know, because during you're right, you can't monitor a hundred percent, right? And so. uh, you know the 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 sad fact is is that the the two the two bodies involved have to uh, have to basically check each other's systems. So we're talking about uh, the the state or, or you know county police. Plus, then you're talking about uh, the DMV. So the DMV right, is actually right. the ones that track that. Okay. Not the police and 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 those individuals have nothing to do with it. Um, the uh, the the DMV is the one who makes sure that there is uh, the proper insurance okay. and then also the proper uh, ignition interlock devices in order to reinstate licenses. Um, so at, at this point, you know this person is. Uh, I mean, they're just being they're being bold. They're taking the risk to go and drive, knowing that they don't have the equipment. And and really, the only thing that stops that is uh, the, the police out there enforcing. If they see something going on, they can pull that person over. And that's generally when it's discovered. Okay. Now, obviously, this one was an accident and that was where it was discovered. And that's unfortunate. But uh, we don't have a ton of information we as do, far we as... We do have age, though. Um, we, well, we second have, offense. Yeah. Second offense. 43-year-old. 43. Yeah. 43. Yeah. Um, second offense. She, you know, he, so here's... Can I give you my theory what probably happened here? Yeah. So I think she had a few drinks. Um, probably not super drunk. Probably texting on her phone. The tractor's going twenty, like twenty miles an hour. She's going fifty, sixty, right? So she probably just didn't see it. All of a sudden, she was too late. Hit the brakes, slammed back right. into the tractor. That's kind of what I'm thinking here. So I don't think she's blackout. I think she's a little lower on the scale, to be honest. Second now, offense. The like, question here with with your with your theory is if if this Ford Escape struck the rear of the tractor, would would the would the driver of the tractor have sustained serious injury? Probably. Um, I'm. I don't know what happened to the tractor. We don't have pictures here. We don't know if the tractor. And we don't tipped. even know what size tractor it is. So I mean, if you hit a tractor going sixty miles an hour when that thing's going twenty, I mean, obviously you're going to get a forceful impact. That thing could yeah. roll over, which is probably why some of these serious injuries came from. Right. So we don't know. We don't have all the details here. I'm just making some assumptions here. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I think she's probably little buzz, tipsy, heading home on her phone, not paying attention. Yeah. Looks up too late. Twenty mile an hour tractor. Boom. Hits it. That's my theory. Yeah. And I don't think she was super drunk. I think it's unfortunate that's her second offense and she's yeah. been driving a revoked license too. And I think, you know, the so the impaired driving plus the uh the 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 not paying attention at the same time is a a lot of times a very deadly combination. Uh you got to be paying attention to the road. There's a reason that texting and driving is illegal uh, because, you know, studies have shown that even that split second looking down to type that next letter or even that next word, uh, it, that is the the difference between you being able to uh, 
you, you know, uh, make that move driving or not make that move driving. And the only reason I say this is because it's happened a lot, especially in Amish country, Wisconsin, same, similar situation. They hit horses some, and buggies all the time. They hit horses and buggies all the time because somebody's on their phone, they look up, they, that thing's going not, five, ten miles an hour. Not drinking at all. Right. And and these they individuals just are just texting and talking. all the time here in the state, and, you know, they're just talking their phone. You know, that, that carriage is only going 10, 50 miles an hour, if that. And, and you're going 60. Wood. Yeah, and you're going 60 and you're hitting that at full force. I mean, the, everyone who's usually on those dies, which is really unfortunate in our yeah. state. And, um, yeah, I mean, I got, I have a number, I think, in, uh, I, I think I'm a little lower. I th- You know, I don't know if I'm going to be too low, but I'm going pretty low on this one. I don't think she's super drunk. I think she's just an unfortunate event and she's probably texting, to be yeah. honest. And, and here's the worst part. Unfortunately, it it can all be avoided. Oh, really? Um, oh, for sure. I agree. 100%. Don't drink and drive, uh, and, and especially so don't text and drive. There's so many things you can do, right? I mean, there's just yeah. so many options out there. And, uh, well, and that's why, you know, they've got uh, the, the first of all, voice to text. Uh, that ability is amazing. Plus, they put all the steering wheel controls right here. I mean, like, if you're trying to look down at a radio, uh, don't. It Like, just... You just use the fucking controls. Like, I mean, there's been times where I couldn't find a ride, and like literally, I'll just sleep in my car and then take my keys out of ignition, kind of tuck back so the cops can't see me with a sleeping bag. And it's there's been times where I've had to do that. Yeah, you and, know, and I don't like doing that. But if I, I'd rather do that than injure somebody or hurt someone, right? Yep. I mean, yeah, it sucks. It's cold. When well, you have just, a blank in your trunk, you but, just got to make the the solid decision to uh, to to choose, you know, life over risk. And, oh, agree, hundred percent. Um, in this case, uh, you have a number, I'm assuming? Yeah, I got okay. a number on this one. So All right, on three, I, two, one, you want to go? On three, we can go. One, two, three, six, loco. See, I was going to say three. Three. So you want to meet in the middle then, and we'll go like, what do you think? Like, would you want to just go straight four, loco on this one? Like, let's just go four and a half, four, loco. Yeah, yeah. Four, I think, loco. I think a four. We'll just yeah. go straight a four. I think that's about right. I think literally she just probably was texting, had a little bit of booze in her system, and that's what got her. Yeah. I'm thinking that's all it was. She had a little bit of booze. Yeah. Um, I don't think she's drunk. I think she maybe a tipsy, maybe a couple of glass of wines at her girlfriend's house, you right. know, or something. She's, and it's eight oh five, so it's not like yeah, it's later in the evening after dinner. She might have had a couple of glass of wine with dinner, just going out, going on right. her cell phone, texting her husband, "I'm going to be home from the store." Boom, wow. happens. You know, she unfortunately had a revoked license from her previous. Yeah, it's just unfortunate. And uh, yeah, Eric Four Loco, sound that gavel. All right, that concludes this episode of Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. If you enjoyed this vulgar display of Wisconsin, please like and subscribe on whatever streaming platform you prefer. And remember to hit the bell on YouTube to be notified when we release new content. Also, if you have any suggestions or ideas for future episodes, please send us an email at widrunkenhistory at gmail.com or head over to our Facebook and Instagram pages. Thanks again for listening. And remember, as always, watch out for deer on your way home.